Me, who are privileged to be connected and have relationships with the local church, you know, the churches many times have mission programs and give. You know, so the, the, the gospel of, of, of God's great love can be revealed in other places. And that's what this church has been to Heidi and I for probably 20 some odd years, you know, 25 years. And so you all have always been so kind and so gracious and so generous. So I just want to say thanks for being planted in this place and, and uh, letting your life have, have an impact in other places. I told you tonight, I didn't show any videos this morning, I said tonight's going to be movie night. So when I came this morning, or tonight... In here, I have a little bag of popcorn that somebody blessed me with. So I'm really grateful. I've not mentioned any names or where it came from, but I'm very grateful. But I'm very disappointed because during praise and worship, your pastor felt led to grab the bag of goodies. And I saw him eat it. He could just have one handful. The brother has no self-control. <laughs> and so, Brenda, please stay between him and the bag of popcorn. We need Pastor Mark on his best behavior tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but it actually smells very good. I can't wait to have some. But anyway, let me just say uh, thanks. Let me show you what you've been up to. The first thing I want to show you is just kind of uh, what's happening at the Middle East campus. And we have six campuses around the world, one in Guatemala, 17 acres, life homes, and our kids down there. And then we have uh, in Costa Rica for Bible training, over 3,000 students a year in Latin America. Uh, then in uh, the Philippines, uh, where we're enlarging this campus. Now I'm going to show you a little video on that. But then, of course, Ghana, West Africa, rescuing Tricosi uh, slave women and women who would be susceptible uh, in Tricosi slavery. And then uh, in Nigeria, uh, where we do a lot of evangelism and, and uh, leadership training. And then, of course, in Beirut, Lebanon, which is our newest campus and the one you all have been vital in, not only as we acquired the facility, but as God graced us to pay it off in a down economy. And that's what amazes me about the love of the Father when you just take the promptings of the Spirit and put into practice really what I tried to teach this morning, appraising the value of God's love in an environment. And then do all that you can with joy to acquire the field, so to speak, or the property. So we acquired the property. It was $900,000. It was negotiated as a cash deal. Not one cent of interest was paid. So it was as a cash deal over four years. And uh, the end of the four years was December of this, this a little over a month ago. And you all, even in December, gave a, a wonderful, uh, generous offering to help us. And I want you to know that at the end of December, it was paid in full. So we're just rejoicing. Amen? Yeah. So it was a, a massive, massive miracle. So let's just watch this little video. Sorry if you don't have any popcorn. Tough luck, you know. You could, you could see if Pastor Mark would give you a kernel. In the back. Let's, let's watch the video. What a joy to have a debt-free Middle East Life Center campus in the heart of Beirut, Lebanon. We are so grateful for the many friends and partners who have prayed and given financially to make this a reality. And now, the ministry continues to grow stronger and stronger, reaching thousands of lives in this war-torn region of the world. 
Currently, the Mutual Faith Lebanon team reaches and teaches about 80 kids each day in our Spring of Life School, where academics and mentoring are bringing profound change and hope to many of these Muslim and refugee children. Refugee outreach, with the turbulence in neighboring Syria and the thousands of refugees that filter into Lebanon, the Mutual Faith Life Center is a hub for help and hope, feeding, clothing, and providing medical care on our Life Center campus. Ministry groups. Mutual Faith Lebanon hosts groups and interns, up to 60 guests at a time, from the Middle East, Europe, and the United States for short-term ministry outreaches. Encouragement and training. Encouraging pastors and training future leaders in our seminars and Life Leadership Institute. Broadcasting live TV events, concerts, orchestras, and conferences from the Middle East Life Center throughout the region. And Kingdom Fiesta, the annual three-day event to celebrate God's unconditional love for people throughout the Middle East. Hundreds of people are receiving the love of the Father, and we're so thankful for those of you who help make all of this financially possible. Together, as we join our faith, we can change our world. Awesome. Isn't that cool? So uh, praise the Lord for that. eh? So that's what you all have been up to. That's some of the fruit of your life and your love from this local church. And so uh, I want to say thanks so much for that. Did you see your pastors in a couple of the clips? Yeah. So uh, it was always a joy to have them in Lebanon. I can't wait till they can come again as the Spirit of God leads them and guides them. And uh, who knows, maybe in the future there would be a team from the church that goes to the Middle East. You guys would have a big time. You really, really would. It's, uh, it's just, uh, it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe. And sometimes it's so overwhelming now with all the chaos. And uh, you, can, you can be tempted. If you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, life is very nerve-wracking. Have you noticed that? And so our focus always has to be on Him. We always have to be beholding the Lamb. And understand what he's done. And so even now to this day, I mean, just uh, to sustain the whole campus and everything is is a huge, huge task. And with all the, there's about 180,000 Syrian refugees now that because of the war in Syria that have come into Lebanon. Those are the registered ones, not the undocumented or unregistered ones. And uh, every day we're inundated with Syrian refugees. They tell me, in fact, next month when I'm going to be there, that the place will be jam-packed with Syrians for Kingdom Fiesta. So we're excited about it, and uh, I'm thrilled, and uh, we're just thanking the Lord for what He's done. Let me tell you another little testimony that kind of really refreshes my heart. A year ago, I may have told you when I came and preached for you guys sometime mid-last year. I can't, I can't remember when I was here, but uh, a year ago, I had a real problem. We did not register the building legally with the government in our name when we purchased it in 2009. And since we renovated it, the values have really skyrocketed. And so they were telling me a little over a year ago, they said, Keith, listen, you had to pay a registration tax of about 30 some thousand dollars. And and since you didn't do it... um, they're going to try to appraise it four years later at the, at the newer value. And it could cost you about $225,000. Wow. 
I was depressed. I mean, it was amazing, you know, when fear-filled thoughts just, just hammer you. So I told our team leader, who, who your pastors know very well, Saeed Deeb. I said, Saeed, no, God's going to give us favor. I said, I believe we're going to be exempted from paying any registration tax. And everybody told me I was crazy. Even the board of directors over there, because Mutual Faith Lebanon is a registered corporation within that country. And uh, even we have a lawyer on our board of directors. People said I was nuts, you know. And that's not, not uncommon anymore for people to, to think that. But they said, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to pay the piper and pay at least thirty some thousand dollars. And then if you don't have favor, they'll they'll jack it up and make you pay about two hundred twenty five thousand. And I got so discouraged. And so I sent I got thirty about thirty five thousand dollars together and I sent it to Lebanon at the about 13 months ago. And I said, listen, I want you to go to the people who collect the money. And I want you to have a check or whatever, you, whatever instrument you need to move the money to the government account. And you give them the 30-some thousand dollars. So I'm, I'm debt-free with the government. And I don't have any hassles with the Lebanese government. So Saeed went there. He went with his clerical collar, which is very common in the, in the Middle East, you know. And so he went there with his clerical collar. And uh, lawyers, and of course, there's gobs of people at these government buildings, and nobody gets any help or assistance or, or, or whatever. And he makes his way through, just smiling. And he gets a meeting uh, with, with a person, and uh, he says, I'm here to give you the 30, some 34, 35,000, whatever the number was, uh, dollars. And uh, the, the head of that department said, now, wait a minute, what, what building is this? And he explains it again. Now, what are you doing there? Well, it's a whole campus. We have a medical clinic. We, ha- we have a school that's free of charge for all these Hezbollah kids and Muslim kids. And the whole area is being blessed because we're there. And the lady said, well, before you give us this money, I would like to see the building. So um, Said so said, okay, good. So they made an appointment to come out and see the campus. They walked through the whole thing. They couldn't believe it. They were like, just, this is unbelievable. So the head of this department invites Saeed to her house with her assistant to have some tea. So he said, okay, I'll come have some tea. So he goes to the house. They sit around and have some small talk. And uh, Saeed kept saying, you know, you two are angels from God. God sent you as angels to me and to this school and to this whole ministry to help us. And so he said, now before I leave, let me just bless you and thank God for you. So Saeed stands and the ladies stand just because it's polite culturally. So they all stand and kind of keep their eyes open and just kind of, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll just be respectful. And Saeed just lifts his hand to heaven and says, thank you, Father. You love us. Thank you, Father. These precious ladies are in the government. And they're angels from God that you have sent to me to help me. Lord, let their lives work. Let their families be blessed. Let them know their love. And Saeed just begins to speak over them. In a simple prayer, in the presence of God came down so strong, the head lady fell out under the power. Yeah. She fell out under the couch, and the other lady didn't know what was going on. She sat down and said, hey, what's going on here? And then the head lady said, it felt like there was oil, hot oil, kind of steaming from my top of my head all the way down my body. And, and, and they were like shaking. You know, like a good shake. Hallelujah. huh? I mean, if you got the shakes, have a good shake. Hallelujah. You know? And so 
they were kind of shaking and they didn't understand. So uh, the lady said to Said as he was leaving, he said, no, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'll get in touch with you next week. So the next day, I think, was Sunday, and Side hosts services at our, at our campus every, every Sunday. And he stands to speak, and he looks in the back, and the witness in his spirit says, This is a government agent coming to check you out. He's a spy. So Side just smiled, didn't think of nothing. So, okay, cool, you know. Preached, talked. Taught the people on the love of the Father. And then shaking hands afterwards, smiling, grinning. Greets this guy. And the guy said, uh, it's good to be here. Never saw the guy again. Never came back. Then a few days later, the government got a hold of Said again. And the, they wrote a big presentation that had the endorsement of this lady. And they said, if you can get the minister of finance of the whole nation to put his signature on this document... You will be exempt from $225,000, and you will even be exempt from the $35,000. So Saeed put on his clerical collar. Hallelujah. (laughs) Made another trip to see the minister of finance, and couldn't see him, couldn't see him week after week after week after week, month after month after month. And what happened last July 17th, which is the happy wolf Saeedib's birthday... Which is also the day we had the building purchased. It closed in 2009 on July 17th. July 17th this past year, we got an appointment and a signature of the Hezbollah Minister of Finance of Lebanon. And we owe nobody nothing but to love them. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You you know what I found in my little life? I find I need God's goodness constantly. Man, if I don't have the goodness of God in the favor of God, everything about my world would collapse. There's nothing about me that can hold up nothing. But thank God for his love for me. And if I can just rest in his love and be secure in the beloved and just put on my clerical collar now and then, hallelujah. God does mighty miracles and gives great and marvelous favor. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Can you do that? Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb of God. So be praying with us and for us. Uh, Next month I'll be there again. And uh, we're excited about all these refugees coming in and helping them. You know, I mean, what else are you going to do? Oh, the, your only other option in life is to cry. I'd rather cry in the spirit than just cry naturally. I'd rather let the Lord prompt my heart and just weep like a baby than just to cry out of fear and defeat and being overwhelmed. I, I don't like that kind of crying, but I don't mind when the spirit of God moves me, and I hope I never run out of tears. Because there's something about the goodness of God that fixes everyone everywhere. Hallelujah. Through the death and burial and the risenness of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm preaching good now. Hallelujah. This is good news. Praise the Lord. So that's, uh, that's what you all have done. Now let me tell you. I showed you. Do you all still have that 2020 uh, uh, logo thing? Uh, those of you. How many of you were not here this morning, by the way, in either service? Okay. Get the security to arrest all of them. No, not really. Hallelujah. (laughs) We're glad you're here. I'm just playing, you know. Life is full and busy. But I I talked a little bit about what God's put in my spirit. 
for this year from now until the year 2020. And it has to do with the cross. Do we have that one logo? There it is. 2020 talks about perfect vision. But my idea of 2020 is perfect vision toward Jesus. Seeing him clearly. I can see, you know that old song? I can see clearly now the rain is gone. We could have like a choir, the heart of the bay choir. We could have a traveling choir. Our first stop will be with a happy wolf at the Middle East Life Center in Beirut, Lebanon. Hallelujah. And we can sing our song. I can see clearly now Jesus and his great love for you. Amen. But my assignment now that God stirred in my spirit is to unveil the beauty of his death. And that's what I tried to teach you this morning. Jesus' response when people said we would see Jesus. Jesus responded not with his life, but with the revelation of his death. Because it's in his death that you find your life. And so I want to show people the work of the cross because the new covenant, the new testament, which you and I should be anchored in. And live in. We should we should understand it through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. So my my assignment in teaching now, and through imparting charisma, the Romans 1, 11 and twelve verses of mutual faith. It's all about imparting spiritual gifts. Or the term is charisma, which will encourage, establish, and strengthen people, and trigger their faith or mutual faith. That's where the phrase mutual faith comes from. But it's from imparting charisma. Charisma is always anchored in the cross. And that's why that's the only thing I'm going to glory in anymore. I'm not going to glory in me because there's nothing about me worth glorying about. In terms of human, you know, capacity, I am the biggest loser of all. And thank God I know it. I can't qualify for nothing in and of myself, but thank God I'm qualified forever in Christ Jesus. And that's where I'm going to hang my hat. And as long as I'm in this earth, I'm going to behold the Lamb and I'm going to be transformed to be just like Him. And whether you all know it or not, or even like it or not, the Bible says you're predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And that's His work in you. So you may be disappointed with you, but He's not. Amen. So you just hang in there and you look to the Lamb because you look good in Christ. And here's the deal. So 2020 is all about beholding the Lamb of God. And I always tell people it's really about revealing the love of the Father. And that's why all I do is talk about the love of God found in Christ Jesus. Because the love of God's even corrective. The love of God stops your addiction to yourself. The love of God fixes everything. And so and, and you can't be separated from it. There's no place you can go to the heights of heaven, to the lowest part of the earth, you, you, you know, to, you know, nowhere. You can't separate yourself from the love of God found in Christ through the cross. And so we're excited about this. And this is, I needed to let you know why I'm going to tell you about our next assignment. So between now and the year 2020, I got a 2020 campaign. And everything I'm doing with our friends is to point them to the finished work of Jesus and get them excited about Jesus like he's excited about them. And it's where you rest. It's where you rest from your own labor. Faith is never a work. Faith is a rest. Faith may have corresponding actions among men, but before the Father, it's a rest. It's a rest. Now, here's something kind of cool. Our first assignment out of our 2020 campaign is to refurbish some of our campuses. They need some help. And uh, so we were in the Philippines 
in December, about six, seven weeks ago. And so we have a campus there. We've got a, we've got a strong ministry there. It's in the very southern part of the Mindanao, in the very most southerly city in the Philippines, called General Santos City. We have a campus. We have a team. We have a television channel called the Mutual Faith Channel. And uh, we're, we're acquiring more property. And we're building a, a life home campus for kids, for orphans. And uh, Heidi and I, we've always helped kids. We've always helped orphans. And it has to do really with, with, with our lives. And pain points, even from our own lives. And pain points from Heidi's life. And I was sharing with your pastors this morning, uh, before one of the I can't remember which service. But this is why we've always worked with kids. This is why I always have life homes. So this is why we're doing this one as well. So let's roll that video. The next movie, movie number two, showing now at 7.15, hallelujah, is the Philippines. Let's watch this. Faith Ministries has worked vigorously in the troubled and turbulent region of southern Mindanao, the Philippines. Establishing a mission center campus in General Santos City, the Mutual Faith team, headed by Johnny and Josephine Davila, are dedicated and diligent to present God's great love to the people in this region. Even with the problems of political instability, Islamic extremism, and other pressures, God's grace has been sufficient. Our Mutual Faith Philippines campus consists of various ministry expressions including the Mission Center TV studios for editing, producing local programming, and broadcasting throughout the region on the Mutual Faith channel 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. This is the only Christian programming available on cable TV. The Pavilion, an outdoor venue to host concerts and events including the annual Thanksgiving celebration with indigenous dance and song competitions. The Auditorium, hosting conferences as well as the local church ministry. Mutual Faith Philippines has acquired an adjacent property to build the new Life Home Philippines to accommodate 40 abandoned and orphaned kids in the community. We have commissioned architects and builders to plan the best land usage and architectural renderings. Hopefully, we'll have this project completed in 2014. Additionally, another adjacent piece of land was just made available for $25,000 and will provide the necessary space for the on-site school campus, not only for the life home kids, but also for the very poor children in this community. Ministry expressions conducted by the Mutual Faith Philippine team also include village evangelism and feeding programs in the very poor and remote areas, mentoring and academic programs so people can learn to read and write, Bible studies and the Life Leadership Institute to train and equip people in knowing and believing God's love for them, church planting in three locations with mostly new believers from the Mutual Faith Channel. 
Continue to pray with us and help us as we endeavor to let everyone everywhere know God loves you completely, and we do too. Awesome. Isn't that cool? Praise the Lord. So, friends, this is, uh, this is the assignment we have right now as the uh, working on the Philippine campus. And so uh, we're excited about it. We're excited about it. So, hallelujah. You know, the one guy in the church that we've planted different people that get saved through the, through the channel. And uh, the little pastor you saw next to me out in this little remote area, that guy was an Islamic terrorist. Yeah. Now he's pastoring. Yeah. 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 You know, and he's the most tender, tender, tender person. Tender. You know, sometimes I think if, if you just have a perception of people based on what they've done wrong, you never know what they can do right. You know, the love of God will capture every human heart. If it's presented in a way where the Spirit of God ignites this massive burning love. Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Pastor Nancy, you've been to General Santos, haven't you? To Mindanao. Mm. And Raul, why don't you come up and Dell? You've been to General Santos as well. Mm. Um, is that close to the ministry that you have over there? You have a school there as well. Mm, come on awesome. up. Praise the Lord. Praise well, I wanted uh, to have... Um, our Filipino brothers and uh, brothers there, and Tony, who's also helps me head up the men's ministry here, to present a check to you for uh, to be on the ground level of the orphanage. Amen. A week ago, Saturday, we had about 90 men together. Wow. And I just had my heart just to have a project to agree on with you for a seed to sow into this. So, guys, come on up here. Come on up to the platform and praise the Lord. Brother Lou, I'm going to ask you to hand him the check, and I want you to pray over, over this project as well as Raul. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Tony, bless you. Bless you, my dear. Praise the Lord. Wow. Father God, we just come before you. We just thank you. Now, without you, we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. But with you, we can do all things. Mm-hmm. I just pray that check mm-hmm. that is presented to the heart of the bay to Brother Keith. I just pray that you will bless it. Yes. It will, I know we will fulfill for what you've yes. given it. Mm. And I just pray, Father God, and I thank you for that blessing. Mm. It will increase it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We mm. just thank you for mutual faith ministries, yes. Father God. We thank you that you're continually expanding, Father God, mm. your kingdom in that nation. Mm. We thank you, Father God, for the anointing mm. and the empowerment that this ministry has for that nation. Mm. We just continue to lift up mutual faith ministries, Father God. Mm. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the love and grace that's upon Reverend Keith Hershey. Father God, we thank you for the love and grace that he's brought here. And he takes it all over the world, Father God. And we ask that the blessings will just overtake him, Father God. In the Philippines, Father God, in this new school, this new building, Father God. Father God, that they may be blessed more and more, Heidi and and, mm. and Brother Keith, Father God, in Jesus' precious name, mm. we thank you and we give you all the glory because it's through your grace, Lord, yes. that we grow and grow and grow. In mm. Jesus' in name, Jesus amen. Name.
Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Praise Bless the you. Lord. Thank you for All right. Kindness. Hallelujah. Bless you, my brother. I believe that you're getting younger and younger. <laughs> <laughs> you got good discernment. Hallelujah. You know, anybody that tells you you're getting younger and younger, you got to like people like that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Tony and I, we go a long way back. Remember for the Costa Rica mission trip? I don't know what year that was that we had a team from Heart of the Bay go. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? My goodness. And just to see God's goodness and grace. So these are some things that are happening. And again, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. This is the first seed for the, for the life home. And so this is the anchor seed. And uh, I have a, a friend uh, who's about 80 years old who's worked in different campuses. All of them almost. And he's been in the Philippines when we built the first building for the, the TV studio and different things. And uh, he'd been in, in Lebanon recently with me and different things. But uh, when I share vision with him, he gets really nervous. And uh, I think it makes a lot of people nervous. Sometimes when I hear it myself, I'm nervous, you know. But um, he talked to Will Strong. Will's his friend. They went to high school together, you know, many, many years ago, 60 some years ago. And so he came to visit at the mission center, and he talked to Will, and he says, Wow, does Keith, does, does, does like he have deep pockets? Is he like, does he really like have a lot of money? You know, is he bucks up? And I heard, overheard the conversation. I said, No, I just married somebody who's loaded. Heidi, she just rich. No, and Will, Will told him, said, No, Keith's always, always broke, you know. And... Uh, but see, vision, <laughs> vision, uh, you just carry it. You know, all I do is announce things and carry it. And then rest in the love of the Father for me so I'm not a nervous wreck about it. And, and let the Lord stir the hearts of, of churches like yours. So thank you. That's the first seed for the, uh, for the whole uh, Life Center campus in the Philippines. And we're, we're grateful for that. Amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So thank you. Well, <clears throat> let me now preach my two and a half hour message. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Where's the popcorn? <clears throat> this message will be so long it will be an intermission. <laughs> so you can get another helping of that popcorn. Praise the Lord. Put your hands over your heart. Father, these are your precious people. Let our hearts now find help and hope as we look to the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world. Father, thank you that when we rest in you, we really, really, really look good before God. It's just hard to believe that God sees us through the Lamb and He doesn't have to see us for us. That's the most comforting news my heart will ever hear. And so for it, I say thank you. That faith has put me in him. And it really looks good from here. Jesus, I see, is not mad at me, but you're mad about me. Jesus, I look to you through the Lamb of God and realize that every judgment for every sin of the world has already been completed in the body of Jesus Christ. And will never be occurred toward me again. It's awesome. So, Father, we just say thank you now. Let the hearts of the folks... Be blessed and refreshed 
We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, go with me to John 12. We've been teaching on my phrase. They have a little slide about it. We would see Jesus. Listen, if you're going to have a focus on anything, definitely don't look at yourself. Don't let your inspection be on you. Always let your inspection be on the Lamb. Focus on Him, and the more you stay in Him and hide in Him and reside in Him and abide in Him, the more everything about you changes. And the more about everybody around you will change, even from your perspective of them. You're never as harsh on people if you're looking at them through the blood of the Lamb. And so it's a wonderful thing. This question these Greek guys ask at this big festival in John chapter 12 when Jesus made his triumphal procession into Jerusalem. Now Jesus wasn't going there for a party even though he was celebrating. Jesus was going there for his passion. A week of passion because he knew he was going to the cross. And he talked about for this purpose, for this reason I've come forth. That's why he set his Focus like a, you know, you know, so, so strong and steadfast toward Jerusalem because he knew the assignment the Father had for him was to be the, the Lamb of God, to qualify the human race eternally before the Father and take the judgment and sin and sickness and disease and calamity of the whole, the whole of us and to make us whole in him. So this... Uh, This verse says, in verse 20, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was of Bethsaida, of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus, or we would see Jesus, the old King James says. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. They went as a a pair to Jesus in verse 22. In verse 23, it says, Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Then verse 24, he says, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless the the seed fall into the ground and die, you know, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. In these next verses, Jesus begins to unveil his assignment of the cross. In fact, in verse 27, he said, my soul is troubled, Jesus. Can you imagine the soul, the emotional state of Jesus as, as, as a man in his humanity? Carrying the assignment, really, of, of, of the Lamb. Believing that God himself would raise him from the dead. What supreme love. What massive faith. And the Bible teaches that God's love for you isn't revealed fully through the life of Jesus, but it's demonstrated in the death of Jesus. And so it's interesting to me when I was reading this recently that when they asked to see Jesus, Jesus didn't show them himself physically in his life, but Jesus showed him himself according to his death. And I think it's very, very important that we understand that we have to focus on the death and the resurrection of Jesus To understand our life before the Father. Otherwise you'll always try to do the works of Jesus. And be like Jesus and all these things. But from a a position really of almost performing. To think that that's that's something that validates you among men. Your validation among men has nothing to do with you. And in the moment, even in ministry. Man, when I got free from that, I enjoyed me. Hallelujah. And I enjoyed the ministry. 
Because my validation before the Father has nothing to do with me. It has to do with Jesus. And I'm resting in Him. And so, Jesus said in verse 27, My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Question. But for this purpose. But for this purpose. But for this purpose. I came to this hour. Talking about the cross. So, it was a week of passion. So we could have an expression of love that nobody could understand. In fact, the Bible says, Paul the Apostle says, if you preach the cross of Jesus Christ to the world, it's idiocy, really foolishness. People think you're a moron, you know. Oh, you believe in that kind of superstitious stuff that Jesus died and took the sins of the world? Yeah, really, huh? And he went to the grave and was really raised from the dead? Yeah, like right, uh uh-huh. Well, to the world, it's foolishness. But to us who believe, it is the power of God. Because my righteous position before the Father has to do with the gift God gave in Christ Jesus through his death and resurrection. And the Bible says it's through the obedience of Jesus to the cross that righteousness is accessible to all men. And it's a gift of right standing before the Father that you find by faith when you get out of yourself and you move into himself. Hallelujah. Because now you're in the new covenant that's not based on human obedience at all in terms of Our humanity, but it's based on the obedience of one, Jesus Christ. Jesus and God made a deal. And my covenant with God has nothing to do technically with my obedience. My covenant with God has to do really with my faith in the obedience of Jesus. And that's how you're going to fight your victories in life. Even emotional chaos that troubles you when you're not resting in the Father's love and looking to the Lamb. And emotionally, you're living outside the framework and you're consumed by the cares of the world. What you're going to eat, drink, what you're going to put on, how you're going to pay your bills. All the other worry-filled thoughts that all of us have at one time or another. The way you have victory. The Bible says you take the thoughts and imaginations and you bring them captive. You bring them down captive and subject to the obedience of Jesus, not to your effort. You bring them captive to the cross of what Jesus has done. And that's why in my little life, I've got to focus on the cross all the time because sometimes I really get nervous. And sometimes I look at all the challenges and the chaos of the world today and people say the craziest things to me. I was just at the bank uh, on Friday for the ministry. Uh, Cheryl, our our bookkeeper, asked me to take a a little deposit in. And so I looked at the deposit and thanked God for it and blessed the the churches and people who ever gave. And said, hallelujah, thank you, Lord Jesus. We're we're moving forward, you know. And so the lady at the bank looks at me and she says, I haven't seen you in a long time. I said, yeah, I'm sorry, I've just been traveling, but good to see you, my friend. And she says, are you still doing that crazy stuff in Lebanon? I said, uh, yes, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm still the guy doing that. Well, it's crazy over there, you know. You're crazy to be involved in places like that. Now, if I listen to people like that very long, like more than two or three sentences, I get a little overwhelmed. I say, you know what? I am crazy. I'm, 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 I'm totally crazy, you know, according to the, maybe the thoughts of man, but not according to the cross and the power of God. 
It's rich and real. And when you see the redemptive work of Jesus unveiled to the precious people in this whole Middle Eastern region and what the Spirit of God is doing in the hearts of men and women, I can't help but just get happy. Hallelujah. Because of what Jesus has done. So the question we would see Jesus, Jesus followed with an answer. He didn't show him himself. Not according to his life. He showed him himself according to his death. And so I think we need to really understand what Jesus has done. And in the process of understanding his death, you can appraise the value of his love for you. If you've never set an appraisal on something, it's never stirred your heart. If you drive home tonight and there's different houses for sale between this service and your house, those homes, you don't care what the value is unless it attacks or attracts your heart to some excitement and you want to move. Then you look at the house and think, huh, I wonder what that's worth. wonder if I can afford that. So your, your heart's got to be captured for an appraisal to be set. And so that's why it's very, very important that you let God's love capture you. But don't just do a drive-by appraisal. And that's what I tried to explain this morning. Most people have a drive-by appraisal of God and they don't like what they see based on what they've heard. Because all they've heard is their position before the Father has to do with what they do. Or what they should not do. And dear God, none of them can do it. So it depresses the heck out of everybody and they stay at a distance and and really struggle with fear about who wants to get too close to this God who's going to get me. I don't blame people for staying away. I'd stay away from myself if I didn't have the revelation of the love of the Father. But see, once you get an inside appraisal, your view of a property will change. Your view of everything about a property can change if you don't just see it from the outside. But you go and say, my, 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 this is nice. And then you set an appraisal based on an inside or an in him appraisal. So my assignment as a gospel preacher is to proclaim the love of God in such a way and to show people what's right about them, that they have the capacity to believe in the one who believes in them. And when they move from their position outside and by faith move inside, they understand, man, this has nothing to do with an angry God. This has to do with a God of massive love that's revealed through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus that gives me a security and a righteousness eternally before the Father. And this is worth celebrating. People will dance and shout and have a party over it. I tell you, if you've ever been a prodigal, if you've ever felt that you just can't perform enough and do enough, some people say, well, Keith, I've always been good. No, you haven't. So don't, 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 uh, don't surprise yourself with self-righteousness. Because when you fail at one point, the Bible says you're guilty of the whole boatload. And if you don't have an appraisal of God's love for you, you'll never have a capacity for your heart to be released with generosity and liberality. And I'll show you from scriptures, you'll never understand the value of what you've been forgiven of. And that's why you've got to continually be be reminded of the value of his love for you. And what the passion of Jesus was all about. I told you this morning in one of the services... My idea of passion now has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my so-called assignments or my so-called, you know, occupation or ministry or whatever. It has nothing to do with anything naturally. My only passion has to do with the passion of Jesus. And if I can be passionate about the passion of Jesus, everything about my life is going to work and work very, very well. And I really believe that we can appraise the value of God's love for us. 
we can set a value of it from the inside, from in him. And everything's going to be seen differently. Tell you about the time I met Heidi, you know, in Bible school. I saw her and I said, my, 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 huh? Yeah. So I thought I wanted to get to know her. Have you ever liked somebody from the outside and then got to know them closely and you thought, yikes. Huh? I remember, Pastor Mark, when I was young, younger, when I was younger and getting into the ministry, I was insecure going into little pastor's meetings and environment because I didn't feel I had anything to say or I never felt I could measure up. I was always trying to measure myself based on what I did. Thank God I'm getting free from that. But I'll never forget in the early days of ministry, I always thought of this person and that person, you know, the famous people. I thought, man, if I could just get to know them, and if they could know me, I bet they'd like me. I bet if I could know them, they'd want to support the ministry. I bet if I know them, they'd want me to come and share in their conferences or their teachings. But you know what? Over the years, God, I don't know if it's in his mercy or just to, to show me a dimension of his love in a different way. Had, had some of these people I got really close to. And you know, I had a drive-by appraisal of the bigness and the loftiness and the glory of what I thought was good. But when I got close, I thought, yikes. I wish I never knew. I wish I never knew people up close. Because sometimes people, people will shock you. They'll frighten you. And that's why it's very, very important that you stay with the appraisal of Jesus Christ. And then look at everybody who's human, including me. Who could disappoint you? You look at everybody else through the blood of the Lamb. Then you can walk with them. You can encourage them. You can lift up their hands so they can fulfill their life's calling and assignment. But you're not dependent on none of them. You're dependent on Jesus and Jesus alone. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus wanted us to see him, but not according to his life. Now, people say, Keith, do you still preach on the miracles of Jesus? Sure. Do I still like to read about him? Sure. Because when I see Jesus' miracles, it shows me the heart of the Father toward me. That Jesus came to reveal. But the love of God for me and my acceptance before the Father has nothing to do with the miracle of Jesus. And me having a nice house to live in, a nice car to drive, or enough money to put gas in it. Has nothing to do with my acceptance before the Father. It's a blessing. I enjoy it. And may it always be flowing in my life. And may there always be sufficiency. But my acceptance... In that day. is based on I'm in, the, I'm, I'm, I'm in him. I'm in Christ. And the blood of the lamb is my covering. And it's your covering too. Hallelujah. You know when you see Jesus differently. It changes your worldview. The story is told in Luke chapter 2. You know about. About the uh, shepherds. You know they were good old boys. Under the old covenant. Jewish boys. And they had a visitation. Most people don't like... Drive-by people don't like visitations. People have drive-by religion. And their, their relationship with God's not from an in-him position. People really don't like visitation. It's scary. Because they think they have to qualify for it. So when the angels appeared, all the disciples, it says in Luke 2, cowered back in fear. Because their covenant required them to be right and do right to get good see the blessing of the covenant of the old system was based on your perfect obedience 
to obey, obey perfectly and do all that's written there. And my goodness, that sentence in itself just about chokes me spiritually because I'm disqualified. I can't do it perfectly. And so in that system, people always lived with sin on the conscience because nobody could perform perfectly. And if you couldn't perform perfectly to get the blessing, you know what you got? The curse. It's called the curse of the law. What a bummer, huh? But thank God for Jesus. Jesus came and put in a new operating system that our blessings not based on our perfect obedience, but the obedience of one. And Jesus became a curse for us. Amen. That no curse again will ever have any influence in your life. I'm preaching good now. Hallelujah. This to me is the beauty of being accepted. So when the shepherds draw back in fear, thinking God's going to get them because there's going to be a manifestation of God's glory and grace and goodness and revelation of what, what God's going to do in Christ. The angel said, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings, great joy, which will be to all people. All people means all people. Good, bad, right, wrong, left, right, conservative, liberal, faithful, unfaithful, naughty, and nice. It's for all people. And the qualifying before the Father has to do with the Savior, the angels announce. Amen. Jesus Christ the Lord. And then they said, you can find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. And they sang, you know, a heavenly chorus with an angelic choir. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth there's going to be peace. There's going to be goodwill toward men, not among men. Amen. But from God to man, there's a whole different equation because of Jesus. There's peace and there's favor toward men from God because of one, Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says the angels split and suddenly the shepherd boys who were full of fear changed the worldview because their eyes now were on a lamb, Jesus, the Messiah man. And the Bible says they went with haste and saw him and they got giddy happy. You read the whole story in Luke 2. They went and began to tell everybody about the Savior. Jesus Christ. I tell you what, when you take your place in Him and get your view of God from that position, it will eradicate and rip out every fear that you ever hold in your heart or soul. And by, the Bible even says that the perfect love of God for you, the perfect love of God for you will rip the fear out, will cast fear out of you. Because fear has torment. Whether you're afraid of how much you're going to, you know, pay your rent or your mortgage or your house or your kids or your world, whatever your fear-filled thought is, or you're afraid of your health. We all have all kinds of fears that visit us. You know how I combat fear? I combat fear in the love of the Father. I speak to it, but I remind myself I reside in the great love of God for me, and God's love for me in Christ will cast out every... I focus on the cross. I focus on the Lamb of God. And I do that at every hour of every day when fear rips through my system. And unfortunately, fear still visits me every single day. I have a fear-filled thought, whether it comes from a friend, an enemy, you know, uh, whatever. I have a fear-filled thought that visits me or if I've just imagined it. However, the devil seeds it into my system. I counter it in the love of the Father. And that's the way you can know in that great day when you stand before him all is well. All is well with your soul. And like some of those lyrics of those old hymns, men, when you stand before him, you stand spotless and you stand as righteous as Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah, because the Lamb has done a complete work for you. Give the Lord Jesus a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. The wonderful love of God. So, you know, the shepherds had that kind of experience. 
You know, in Matthew 2, the wise men had that kind of experience. You know, it's amazing. They, they understood Jesus through nature, through a significant star. And they appraised the value of the star because they studied something and it caused them to move. See, we, we learned this morning in our teaching that if you properly appraise the value of God's love for you, it'll make you do something. See, that's why our work before the Father isn't to be approved. Our work before the Father is because we are approved. See, we labor more abundantly by the grace of God. I'm working harder in the sense, if I can use that term if you'd understand it, because I'm resting in God's love for me. But it has nothing to do with rewards. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with any of it. It has to do with appraising the value of a treasure. And say, wow, with joy, I'm going to do all I can. I'm going to buy the field. I'm going to build the building. I'm going to call it done. Hallelujah. And act like it's a real deal. And I tell you, then it's all up to Jesus. Because you know what? If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. No sweat to me. No sweat to me. I have no pressure on it for nothing. Nothing. I'm just carrying the vision spirit of God puts in my heart. And... uh, Resting in his love for me. So these, these, these wise guys, when they followed the star, you know, they, they came to the place where they finally saw we would see Jesus. They may have seen him from the outside, but they had a stirring of a revelation of what his life would mean for them and for everybody around them. You know what the Bible said? Then they opened up their treasure. See, the most generous people in the world today aren't those who give according to regulation. Thank God for your regulation and encouragement to give. But your generosity in life won't be as healthy if you're giving according to regulation or principles or or percentages or whatever. But if you're constantly renewed with love of God for you, you open your treasures. And they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All which had to do with Jesus' death. They all pointed to the death of Jesus Christ and the risenness of Jesus Christ. As the lamb that was going to pre-approve them eternally before the Father. Your generosity in ministry to your local church and and whatever. that That all accelerates in a massive way just because you're beholding the lamb. I always know when I'm stingy. Which, which has a, a tendency to visit me. And I'm a nice guy. But, but sometimes I realize I give kind of mechanically. And the Lord has to deal with me. And the only way he can really get through me is not with regulation. Because regulation always is inflexible. But when I just take time and behold my position in him. And understand the massive love of God that's forgiven me of all my sin. And he remembers them no more. And I'm in a new covenant of grace that all based on what he's done. I tell you what, the, the, the love of God, the generosity floods through me. In fact, then I get too generous. I get too generous to a fault. Sometimes I've gotten mad at myself for being too generous. Have, have you ever had that kind of thought? I said, now, why was I that nice? You know what I mean? That's unusual for me to be that nice. And then I have to come back and rest in the love of the Father. At the end of this uh, year, this past year, six, seven weeks ago, whenever it was, every one of our campuses around the world was had deficits galore. And uh, so I was in different places, had different meetings, and I was really depressed. And so the Lord just prompted me not to be frustrated with the people 
or decisions or attacks on the ministry and just behold the lamb. And in the process of beholding the lamb, I paid off everybody's deficit. And then I got frustrated. Like, what did I do that for? Why, why, why did I have to be that nice? Why shouldn't they just suffer a little while longer? Huh? But see, the love of God will make you do things that you can't do on your own. But I will always side with the love of God. I would rather have the love of God just so captivate me. Because the love of God will make you move. It'll make you do things that you were, it will surprise yourself. Hallelujah. Let me show you something that's kind of cool. Go with me if you would in your Bible to Luke chapter 7. I was telling you that when I met Heidi, I had an outside appraisal. But then I got close to her. And I liked what she had in her heart. I liked, I liked her demeanor. I liked her life. So I didn't fall in love with my wife Heidi just because she was physically beautiful to me. That might have been a first view and got my attention. I might have been the appraisal was the ah moment. Remember appraisal, the Hersheyism, ah, like wow. And then you have appraise, see. To appraise the love of the Father, you have to have an ah moment in Christ before God. And see your complete righteousness eternally established because of Jesus. And if you can believe to that degree, which is absolutely shocking to your humanity. Because see, we live in a merit-based system that's always based on us. And we take that into the kingdom of God and we look at certain passages of scripture or behavioral passages even in the new covenant. And we always still think it's up to us. But there's, there's indicative verbs... And, and, and there's, there's other verbs. It's all based on the mercy of God that we have the behavioral changes. It's all based on our focus on Jesus and what he's done. That these other things we can begin to do. But we don't do these things to qualify before God. We do these things because we are qualified before yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. And it's from beholding the love of God found in Christ. When you behold the finished work of Jesus, these other things you can incorporate in your life. In, 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 but your qualification before God still isn't what you do. Your qualification before God is what Jesus has done. And that's what's so wonderful. So when I got to know Heidi and had a more of a you know, an understanding of her heart and her soul. That's, that's when I fell in love. And, and, and that's when the love of God captures you. It's when you're in Him. And you realize that He's, he's sided with you before the Father. He's sided with you. And He says, all is well. It's, 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 it's most beautiful. Even for the, the good old boys... That just have a believing moment at the end. They're counted good for the whole season and they get the full reward. They get the full pay, Jesus said. And that's why don't be disappointed with people and tell people they've wasted this and wasted that. Listen, you could have the mindset of the, the older brother. You know, we think about the lost boys. We, we only think about the one. But the older guy, he was a religious lost boy. He was a do-gooder, thinking that everything was going to be done for him based on his work toward the Father. And the Father said, hey, son, listen, we could have partied every day of your life if you wanted to. If you just understand who you are, come to the party. The, the older boy, it was never recorded he came. 
See, people who, who are trusting in themselves never enjoy themselves. And then they nitpick everybody else to pieces. And that's why I refuse to be a nitpicking preacher. I refuse it. I look at people through the shed blood of the Lamb of God, and I call them good before God, and I tell them, God's got nothing on you. And they look at you like they're intoxicated, like you've got to be kidding me. You're a loony. Where'd you come from? I'm announcing to you the news of the death and burial and the risenness of Jesus Christ, which changes the human race. All is required is you to accept the fact that you're accepted. Come on in. Hallelujah. And so that's the goodness of God. Go with me real quick to, to uh, Luke chapter 7. This is the story. In verse 37, behold a woman in the, the city who was a sinner. I wonder if she was a good sinner. You ever think about that? You know if she was like a real professional sinner. I bet she was. I bet she was naughty. You know what I mean? When she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house. Now I wonder if the Pharisee was a sinner. He didn't think he was. Because he was addicted to his effort before the Father to be right. In order to think he was right. She brought a alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And stood at his feet behind him weeping. God, I love that picture. Think of the characters in this scene. You got Jesus there. You got the, you know, the Pharisee do-gooders. Thinking that the righteousness is based on them doing the law. And righteousness never could come through the law. Otherwise, Jesus died in vain. Then you got this sinner who knows she was completely disqualified. But she was looking to the Lamb. And she somehow, by looking at the Lamb, became so generous... It shocked religious people. She stood at his feet behind him and she was weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and she wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet. Have you ever had anybody wash your feet or rub your feet? You ever had like a foot rub or foot reflexology or something like that? You go get your, it's kind of relaxing, kind of like a foot massage or whatever. But can you imagine somebody just weeping over your feet and kissing your feet? Boy, it just seems a little maybe uncomfortable in our cultural mindset. But she was displaying a love that she perceived and received from Jesus himself. She kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he... If he were really connected with God, you know, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him for she is naughty. So Jesus answered and said, Simon, I got I got something to say to you. Now, the Bible says he said it to himself and Jesus perceived it, interpreted it. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. He said to Simon, you have rightly answered or judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. 
You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now think of this. Jesus is trying to get them to see him and what he was going to do for them. And they couldn't do it. So the next verse says they started arguing and saying among themselves, my goodness, who in the world is this who, who forgives sins? Here's the principle. When you take your place in Christ because you're appraising the value of his love for you, you have to have a conscious awareness that all your sins have been forgiven by God and forgotten by God. It will anchor everything else in your life of a new covenant. And that's what the Bible teaches in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgotten. It later repeats it in the next chapter. The next two chapters of Hebrews. And you have to absolutely come to the place. To know that really. You're a big time sinner. Because. If you failed in one issue before the Father, you're guilty of the whole load before the Father. And see, Pharisaical people never think they need much forgiveness because they're trusting in what they're doing. I've come to the place to abandon my own effort before the Father. I completely abandon my effort before the Father and just take my place in the effort of Jesus Christ and recognize I've been forgiven much. You know, I think it's absolutely amazing when I really, really consider God's great love for me. The Bible says in this passage that those who know they're forgiven much, those are the folk with a capacity to love much. And I want to encourage you to just focus on the fact of your position in Christ and really believe that everything, everything from your past, Everything from your present, and even whether, whether it's hard to imagine, but everything from your future was nailed to the cross. Amen. It was put in the body of Jesus Christ. And it's hard to imagine, but this is kind of drastic love that will, that will change the way you live. In fact, this grace that's granted will empower you all over any sin because grace always teaches you to deny ungodliness and live righteously in this, this life, in this present world. But it's very, very important that you understand the love of the Father, in that your sins are forgiven before God, and it'll 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 release a, a dramatic love from you that you never knew you possessed, even even that shocks others. Your service to the Father, your your service to people, everything begins shocking, and it's all based on the fact that you're in Christ and you're forgiven. Let me show you one other story, then I'm done. Go with me to Luke chapter 19. This is about our dear brother Zacchaeus. He was a crook. <laughs> Old thief, you know. Reminds me a little bit of your pastor stealing my popcorn tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> this Zacchaeus, he, he, was, he was taking the tax dollars, right? From the community. <laughs> so Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was chief of the tax collectors. And he was rich. But he sought to see Jesus who he was. But he could not because of the crowd. For he was... Of a shorter stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a tree. To see him. He was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place. He looked up and saw him. 
I want you to know that when, when, when you would see Jesus, Jesus will always see you. Sometimes people always ask, Keith, how do I get God's attention? I say, behold him. Just behold him. Well, do I have to really like pray harder? Do I have to do more? Do I have to like go on like a 40-day fast? No, just, just behold him. Just gaze on the beauty of you. When you choose to see him, he will always see you. There was a whole crowd of people, but I tell you, that focused thought of this sinner, this professional sinner Zacchaeus, made Jesus stop. Say, hey, Zach, remember Jesus had the conversation? Come down today. I'm coming to your house for a little, for a little lunch. I hope you guys can have a nice spread for me because I'm going to swing by, right? So the, the, the Bible says the story goes on. Uh, Jesus came to the place and, and, and said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down today, I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received Jesus joyfully. When you behold the Lamb of God, faith allows you to receive him with, without question, without fear of judgment, without fear of being minimized, without fear of being even rebuked. Notice, Jesus never talked to Zacchaeus about his sin, not once. Jesus never told Zacchaeus what's wrong with him, even though he was an absolute, big-time crook. Jesus never pointed out his sin. Now look at this. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully, verse 6, verse 7. But when they saw, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Who do you think complained? Religious folk. Those people that are always trying to please God based on their doing, they always got something to say that's nasty anytime grace is extended to a sinner. That's why I love to extend grace to a sinner. And I tell you, people don't always like me for it, but you know what? This is the model I see in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at it goes on to say, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 my goodness, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, which he had... He's going to restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house. You know the love of the Father in Christ will get people to transform. You know when grace is extended, it gives people the capacity to deal in realistically about their life and what they do wrong. And restoration can come. Jesus said salvation has come. And then he said, You're a son of Abraham. And then he said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Friend, I just want to encourage you. Behold the Lamb. Take time to see Jesus. Put yourself in a position where you get your eyes off you, where you stop living disappointed with you and disappointed with everybody around you, and take time to behold the Lamb. Because when the heart of the Father captures you and the love of God holds you, everything about your life will change. I've preached way too long. Did you like the word tonight? Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Put your hands again over your heart. Father, thank you for loving us. We receive your love. Thank you for what you're doing in in each and every one of us, Father. We just receive your great love. Father, the little things about our lives that need transformed, the little issues where we're so disappointed about repetition of our, the things about us that we know that just don't seem to be right. Father, our victory is found in you. And so, Father, I ask that you equip people even tonight by the grace and favor that God himself grants in Christ Jesus, that we can be transformed, we can be renewed, 
And we can enjoy your love for us. And every fear-filled thought that we have about even standing before you will be shattered. Day in and day out. Because we are in Christ accepted and righteous and redeemed. And eternally blessed. Because of what Jesus has done. Father, thank you that you lead us and guide us by your spirit. Thank you that we're well equipped to do and be what you've called us to do. And to be who you've called us to be. Because it's all for the glory of the name of Jesus. And we give you praise for our time together tonight. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Bless you all.